For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Can we expect to be led by the Spirit of God? Well, if you're a son of God, daughter of God, you can expect to be led by the Spirit of God. And when you are expecting to be led, one of the things you can say is this, I'm always in the right place at the right time. I'll make the right decision. I'll do what's right. Amen? And then in verse 16 it says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So we've been talking for several weeks along the lines of the Holy Spirit and being led by the Spirit of God. And now we're talking about what we can do uh, to develop in being led by the Spirit of God so that we become sensitive to His leadings. And uh, how many of you were with us in the 9 a.m. service? 9 a.m. service, raise your hand. Okay, that's about three or four of you. So we're going to reiterate some things from the 9 a.m. service. How many of you are with, with us in the second service Sunday morning? All right. By the way, for those of you who were in the 9 a.m. service, I changed my message completely and did a message called Core, Amen, Strengths for a Strong Finish. And what we did is we looked at things that had been working for us for over 35 years in ministry, talked about those things, and so... We consider it to be precious. You may want to get a copy of that CD. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, one good indicator that we have learned throughout the years of the leading of the Spirit of God is the peace of God. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 14 and verse 15, and I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version, it says, And above all these things put on love and enfold yourself with the bond of perfectness, which binds everything together completely in ideal harmony. Now notice. And let the peace from Christ rule or act as an umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with all finality questions that arise in your minds. So we are extensively instructed throughout the scriptures to follow peace. So when issues come up in my heart, in my mind that I'm not settled on, when questions come to your mind that you're not settled on, what is it that we let settle them? We let the peace of God settle them. Just like an umpire settles with all finality, whether that person is safe or whether that person is out, God has placed, if you will, a holy umpire on the inside of you. It is the peace of God. So we need to learn then to follow after peace. I wonder, you know, should we pay attention to what's going on on the inside of us? He is the one who will call the plays in my life. Let the peace of God guide you. Let the peace of God lead you. Because after all, the peace of God is a manifestation of the God of peace. You think about that. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, the very God of peace. Jesus himself is the Prince of Peace. Angels, when they would come with a word from heaven and a word from God, one of the things they would regularly say is peace. Peace. Amen? Peace. Over 450 references 
in the Old Testament and the New Testament on peace. And I think it's over some 200 to 250 scripture references on the subject of rest. I believe it's important. Amen? And that's one of the greatest things about being a Christian, is having the peace of God. Now listen to this statement. The wisdom of God and the direction of God is in the peace of God. So you and I then are to walk in peace every day. On bill day. On doctor report day. On bad report day. Let the peace of God rule and reign in your heart. We are not to be a stressed out generation. We're a blessed in, blessed out, glory to God generation. Coming in and going out. Amen? Now, of course, that's how that Brenda and I came to California back in 82 is we had peace. It was the leading of peace. I married Brenda. She married me based on the fact that we had peace. Amen? It's huge in the scriptures. The Bible is called the gospel of peace. I said in the early morning service, Sunday morning, if what you are hearing is not producing peace, you are not hearing the gospel. Because God is not the author of confusion. But He is in fact the author of peace. And so, whoever it might be preaching, whoever might be teaching, if it isn't producing peace in your life, you know what? It very well could not be the gospel. If what you are hearing is producing condemnation, the person that is preaching is preaching out of a wrong spirit. It is not the preacher's responsibility to condemn. It is the preacher's responsibility to give the word. And the word sometimes corrects, does it not? You know, it doesn't bother me when God corrects me. Why? Because I know that he's doing it for my good. So again, there's a difference between condemnation and there's a difference between conviction. Again, peace is all throughout the Word of God. For example, Isaiah 55, 12 says, You shall go out with joy and be led forth with what? You will be led forth with peace. So the wisdom of God, the direction of God, is in the peace of God. Look with me at at, uh, James chapter 3. And notice with me in verse 17. If you don't have peace on something, just don't move. No matter who's trying to pressure you. Just flat, if you don't have peace, just stop. Look and listen. Until you do have peace. In James 1.17, would you read it with me? Ready? Let's go. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and of good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So the peace of God is first pure, or the wisdom of God is first pure, and then it is peaceable. As a matter of fact, Solomon said this, that all of wisdom's ways are ways of pleasantness and all of wisdom's ways are paths of peace. I like that, don't you? Glory to God. I believe that the peace of God is leading us and guiding us. And one way that you can maintain peace in your life 
is to be spiritually minded. Keep your mind on the answer. Don't get all stressed out and bummed out because you haven't heard from God yet. But confidently expect with a smile on your face that God is speaking to you. Amen? See, you don't want to walk around all vexed and frustrated all the time and all heavy duty, serious and real super intense. You know, you got to fast 25 days or 40 days to hear from God. No, 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 no. You just need to wait on the Lord. And did you know that waiting on the Lord doesn't necessarily mean waiting on the Lord 24 hours a day? You can have seasons or times where you're waiting on the Lord. To wait on the Lord simply means to expect Him. So you've got to expect God to speak to you. Expect God to lead you. You know, He's got your best interest at heart. Amen? He's on your side and He's for you. And besides that, He leads you and me in paths of what? Righteousness or right paths for His namesake. But now, let's just say, for example, you need to make some sort of a decision. And uh, it's something that you are not settled on in your spirit. But you know, uh, you need to do something. You need to make some sort of a decision about something important in your life. And so what you do then is first you cast the care of it over on God. Because you can't carry the care of it and hear from God. And that's why he says, be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto him. So, Father, I roll this care of this situation over on you. And now I'm asking you to lead me and guide me by your spirit. You said in your word. And just remind him of scripture after scripture after scripture that promises you of his guidance and of his leading. And so I'm asking you, sir, to lead me in this specific area. And I believe that I receive the answer. And then you just look to him. And you expect him to speak to you. He may not show you tomorrow. He may not show you the next day. He may not show you three days from now. It might be a few days down the road before he shows you. But what do you do between then and now? You don't get stressed out. You just wait expectantly. You wait patiently and you wait with a smile on your face and you wait in joy knowing that the answer, glory to God, is on its way. Amen. Amen? And it will be made fruitful to your mind. You'll know exactly what to do. Say it with me. I'll know exactly what to do, exactly where to go, exactly what not to do. I'm led by the Spirit of grace. I'm led by the Spirit of God. So that's just a little bit of review then from the Sunday morning service, which I think we preached about 40 minutes on. Now let's go into just another little area tonight. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews the 12th chapter. And notice again, these are some things we can do to develop in. Amen. So that we can be more sensitive, more aware of Him in our heart and His leading. Now, it's interesting to me that we talked on peace Sunday morning in Hebrews chapter 12. And I think it's verse 14. Notice this with me. Let's read it together. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man 
shall see the Lord. I think it's very interesting that the word follow there. So he's telling us to follow a couple things. Follow peace and follow after holiness. Okay? Without which no man shall what? No man shall see the Lord. Now, you know, a lot of people take that verse and they think, well, man, you know, if I fail, if I miss it, you know, if I commit some sort of sin, I'm not going to see God, I'm not going to go to heaven. Really, that's not what that verse is talking about by and large. The word see there means to perceive. The word see there means to, uh, to know how God and what God is saying to you. Let me make it a little bit more clear. Turn over to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew the 5th chapter. So would you agree then without holiness, we will not be able to perceive or to see God. Amen. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 5. Of course, these are the blesseds. These are the happies. These are the ones that say you're to be envied and you're most prosperous if you'll do these things. For example, in uh, verse uh, 4, he said, Blessed are they that mourn, they'll, they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Verse 8, let's read it together. Blessed are the pure, where? In heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In the Greek, the word see there means to foresee as well as to to see. It deals with really knowing and seeing and perceiving that something is God. That this is God's leading for my life. I see that, Lord. Have you ever had that aha moment? Where, yeah. I didn't see that before, but now I see exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I see exactly where I'm supposed to go. And so, many people have these questions come up in their mind. Well, is this God or is this not God? I believe with all of my heart that a pure heart and walking in true biblical holiness, not religious holiness, will help you and I to perceive God and to see God, to know God, and to pick up on His leadings more clearly. You believe that? I believe that with all of my heart. Now, one thing we need to establish, and you know, you are sharp, you all know this, but I'm going to teach it anyway. The blood of Jesus and our faith in the blood has already made us acceptable to God. Is that right? Everyone say the blood. And faith in the blood has made me righteous and holy right now. So is it of works? No, it isn't of works. But it is by grace through your faith and my faith. Brother Hagin defined holiness simply as holiness is Christ-likeness. 
holiness is Christ-likeness. I found in an older set of notes uh, earlier this evening that I just want to share a couple things with you. And that is that holiness has nothing to do with your outward appearance. It has nothing to do with your dress or what you wear. And how many of you thank God for Maybelline? <laughs> or whatever. Mary Kay or whatever. The cheaper the better as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> well, I just lost you. I'm going home. <laughs> Let's look at Ephesians 4. Let's stick with the word here now. <laughs> Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Wow. Cheapers. <laughs> Ephesians, the fourth chapter. You know, I probably some of you can remember this a little bit better than me, but uh, during one of Dad's visions, the Lord appeared to him in a vision, and uh, Brother Hagin hid his face from him. And he says, I'm not worthy to look on your face. I'm not worthy to look on your face. And the Lord corrected him, of course, lovingly, But he basically said, I have made you worthy to look on my face. Isn't that awesome? It's because of the blood. In Ephesians chapter 4, let's look at this. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and I, I think it's right around verse 23 and verse 24. And he says here, and, and be renewed now. In the spirit of your mind, which tells us we need continual mind renewal. And that you put on the new man. And when he's speaking of the new man, he's talking about this new creation. This person that's been born again. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created... In righteousness and true holiness. That's, that's powerful. I just want to think about that for a moment. Mark, put on the new man every day. Because you're a new creation in Christ. You've been created in Christ Jesus. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're holy before Him. Now walk in it. Amen? That's a, that's a legal truth. That, according to the Word of God, we are holy and we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Now notice, then you and I are to walk in holiness or walk in righteousness. I guess another word would be to practice holiness. Now, The word holiness simply means to be pure, to be clean. And I like this one. To be separate to God's or for God's exclusive use. To be separate for God's exclusive use. You see, some people pride themselves in being separate from the world, and yet they're very worldly. But their worldliness is different 
than what they equate worldliness with. Their worldliness is more in the area of things in the heart. It doesn't have to do with dress or anything like that. But as I've said it before, you know, there's some people that, you know, they can be sitting in the kitchen or sitting in the living room and licking a spoon in the kitchen at the same time. That's unholy. That's impure. Did you stop to think about, would you stop and think about it? The Bible says don't let any corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Corrupt communication, according to the Amplified, is foul or polluting language. Now, is not unbelief foul in the sight of God? When I know to speak words that are filled with faith and I yield my tongue and hook it up with my spirit and speak doubt and unbelief, that's foul. That's polluting. Well, let's move right on. All right, turn to me to 1 Peter 1, verse 14. All right, 1 Peter 1, verse 14. So we're practicing holiness as a way of life. Amen? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14. And this is not a message to, to put you in bondage. This is a message that will liberate you. And to help you perceive God even more clearly. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 says, As obedient children, not fashion yourselves according to the former loss in your ignorance, but as he which called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation or behavior, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Question mark tonight. Do we serve a holy God? Can we walk in it? Absolutely. He would never tell us to practice it and to be it if we could not walk in it. That's awesome. And we know that He is the Holy One. And the more you hang out with Him, the more what's on Him and in Him will get off on you. Glory to God. I want to be more like Jesus. How about you? I know there's areas in my life that aren't like Jesus, but I'm walking in it. I'm working on it. How about you? Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. 1 John, the second chapter, the sixth verse. Without holiness, no man will be able to perceive or see the Lord. 1 Peter, uh, 1 John 2, 6. And this deals with walking again, that, that same principle of walking on the path. It says, He that says he abides in him ought him himself also to walk even as he walked. Walk as he walked. Now, one thing we know for sure is the enemy has bait. <laughs> okay? And he'll wave that bait in front of all of us. Right? And he's not omniscient, but he knows what bait you've yielded to in the past. So don't be surprised if that bait don't show up again. Especially if you flunk the test. Thank God you've got forgiveness. But repentance is different than getting forgiveness. Repentance is something that you do every day because you're turning the other way. 
You're not just walking away from sin and saying no, but you're saying yes to God. And so here he is with his lure, okay? In one area that he has successfully allured multitudes of Christian is in the area of uncleanness. And that area of uncleanness very oftentimes comes through a computer or it, it comes through entertainment. And so when a person yields to that uncleanness, whatever it might be, and we're not going to make a list, what that does is it undermines your faith. And when it is yielded to, it starts defiling you, but not only does it defile you, but it dulls you. It makes you dull. And when a person is dull, are they able to perceive? Absolutely not. It's like Brother Moore said when he was here, in order to hear, you got to be clear. To be clear. I know every one of you tonight want to be sensitive to him. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. And uh, notice with me in verses 1 through 4. He's saying, now the Holy Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. They will give heed to seducing spirits and wrong doctrines, doctrines of devils. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now let me stop right there. One way to track someone that is not preaching pure doctrine is to track their life. Because sooner or later, the inconsistencies of their doctrine will spill into the inconsistencies of their manner of life. It's very true. So, let's move along. That went over real nice too. All right. (laughs) Now notice, that's right, know them by their fruit. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron... And notice, I want you to notice the word conscience seared. Here's what happens. When a conscience is seared, the perception is dulled. When something is seared, it develops scar tissue, right? You know, if, if someone has cirrhosis of the liver, cirrhosis of the liver hardens one's liver. And it scars the liver to where the liver becomes thick and it becomes unfeeling and it cannot operate the way that God created it to operate. And that's why a lot of people have liver transplants. Okay? Because there's scar tissue. Okay? Now, a person that works diligently with their hands. I shook hands with Sean Melton the other night. And that guy is... He, I think he's a cowboy. He's a horse whisperer? He does, he does, he okay, but not a horse whisperer. Okay. <laughs> no, he shoes horses. And so I hadn't shaken hands with Sean for a long time because, you know, they live up north. I shook hands with him. And man, 
strong, but his hands were scarred. His hands were calloused. So when that happens on your skin, then you kind of lose feeling. Okay? Well, when that happens in your spirit, you lose clarity. You lose sensitivity. And become very, very dull. Is there a connection between sensitivity and purity? I believe it. Look with me quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So, you know, stay soft. Stay pliable. Stay sensitive. God deals with you about something. Get rid of it. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now notice this with me in verse 14 through 16. This deals with, you know, basically the context here. I believe he's talking about uh, communion. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 14. Well, let's just look at verse 16. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? And so he deals with these cups here. And he goes on to talk in verse 21. He says, you know what? There's basically two cups. And he says, you can't really drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. You see that? There's only one that you and I are to partake of. Why is it that we should not watch stuff that defiles us? Why is it that Christians should not go to X-rated movies? Or why is it that, you know, I mean, everybody's out doing it. You know, they're out clubbing every Saturday night. I know this is a Sunday morning message, but I'm getting warmed up now. Help me. You really know why it is? Because there's wrong spirits there. And if we flirt with areas where people have wrong spirits, it can get off on you. And in so doing, it defiles and it dulls. But the good news is, we can be made clean. Amen. I mean, if a person's been in that case, and if, if you know a person that's been in that case, the good news is they don't have to be condemned. They can repent. The blood can cleanse them. And they can stay clean. I said they can stay clean. And that's the good news right there. Not only will God forgive them and clean them up, but He'll keep them from falling. Glory to God. That's awesome. You know, I was listening to Nick Ken today. Uh, he was doing the service, a little testimony service at Mac and Lynn's church. And he's talking about out there witnessing to people. And it's just amazing what happens on the street. It's amazing what happens. I mean, people holding big, huge beer bottles and them coming up and just loving them and preaching the gospel to them. 
And them looking at him like, why would you want to preach to me? I'm a loser. I'm homeless. I'm a drug addict. And he says, I look beyond all that and I just tell him what Jesus has done for me and that he's no respecter of persons and what he's done for me, he'll do for you. Glory to God. Steve Sabinski was doing the service and he gave a testimony. He said he would go out with Nick every now and then just to kind of sharpen up his skills in witnessing and so forth. You know, there's all different ways to witness. But he said he went to one of these areas. It would be like a BART station in Minnesota or Minneapolis. And he said he walked up to this one bench and there were these two guys and they were rolling joints. You know what a joint is, right? Okay. They were rolling up joints. And... Um, and, and they said, what? What are you talking to us for? And they pointed to the marijuana. You know, why would God want anything to do with us? And Steve just completely ignored what they said. He says, you know what? We're not wanting to fix you outwardly, but Jesus will fix you inwardly. Amen. He said, they stopped rolling their joints, listened to what they had to say, and got born again. <laughs> Oh, hallelujah. That is the message that the world needs to hear. Nick Ken was out and he said he's been to major cities throughout the United States. They go do these city blitzes like they did here. He was out and he said, in every major city that I've ever been in, he says the Jehovah's Witnesses are out every Saturday. He said throughout the neighborhoods, you'll see those guys riding those bikes. Those are the Mormons. He says, I go witness to a Mormon. He says, I don't condemn him. He says, I walk up to him and say, you know what? You're, most fa- you're more faithful than most Christians I know. He says, but, but you're wrong. <laughs> and then he tells him about the Lord. You know, the world needs to hear the gospel. The gospel's good news. Oh, hallelujah. I said the gospel's good news. We don't want any elder brother mentality in this house. Amen. When prodigals start coming home, we're going to rejoice, put our arm around it, and thank God that they're back in Father's house. Glory to God. Glory to God. And so, without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 16. Now, there are some things that we can do. There's some things that we can do every day of our lives. That will help us to walk in holiness. Okay? If something bothers your heart, just cut it off. Just cut it off. And do the afterward test. You know, just don't go out and and sin just to test this out. I'm not saying that. But if you blow it and you missed it, do the afterward test and ask yourself a few questions. How do you feel? Or, Dr. Phil, how's that working for you, Tiger? Do you, do you feel stronger? Yeah. <laughs> or do you feel weaker? Do you feel cleaner? Or do you feel impure? Yeah. Uh, does it give you joy? Or do you, do you sense you need to repent? Are you listening to me? Yeah. Do the afterwards test. Yeah, but so-and-so does it. And they don't feel any remorse over it. You're not so-and-so. You are who you are. Amen. Those things cost us. So number one, 
To practice holiness, here's what we do. Number one, we can cleanse ourselves through separation from defiling practices. We can separate ourselves through separating ourselves from defiling practices. Don't go into harm's way to the best of your ability. Amen? What did Jesus say? If your right hand offends you, if your eye offends you, cut it off. Just stop it. Okay? You can do that. He says, what, has, what fellowship of righteousness with unrighteousness, what communion is light with darkness, all that whole scenario yeah. in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. But then secondly, here's what you can do. You can take the Word daily. The Word of God is a cleansing agent. John 15, Jesus said this. He said, now you are clean through the Word that I've spoken unto you. Ephesians 5 talks about the washing of the water by what? By the Word of God. You know, the tabernacle, which I don't know that much about. Perhaps you know more about the tabernacle than I do. But I know that there was something in the inner court or outside that was called the laver. And the laver was used for washing up before they would go any further. I believe... That we need a good shower of the Word every day. And I want to propose something to you. Get the Word of God on CD. Amen? Because, you know, teaching is great and teaching is awesome and it's wonderful. But there are times where you and I just need to saturate ourselves with what Jesus said, what Paul said, what Peter said. And let that Word dwell in you richly. It's like taking a shower in the Spirit. It's like bathing on fresh water. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. John 17, verse 17. He said, sanctify them through thy truth. And then he made very clear, it's your word that's truth. And what will the truth do if you stay in it? It'll set you free. And it'll keep you free. Oh, hallelujah. So, separate yourself from things that defile. Make sure that you're bathing yourself in the Word of God daily. Of course, pray in the Spirit. But then lastly, look at Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 through 6. You know, thank God for the blood. Is there anybody here tonight? Thank God for the blood. <laughs> Thank God for the blood. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God for the blood. Amen. Brenda and I had to go to downtown Oakland today. You know, we've put together a living trust way back in 2006. And, and they want to, you know, look at it every few years to make sure everything's just so, just the way you want it and so forth. So we had to go way down 880 and, you know, over to 980 and then over to Clay Street and so forth. So we're in the car. And um, I'm over in the left lane, and I'm wanting to get over in the right lane, but I didn't move quickly. And man, if I had, I'd have been smeared. Because there was someone else coming out from one of the far lanes that just had to get over in that left lane. And you know how it is sometimes you hit a blind spot in the car? That person was submarining their way just like that. And I was just about to go into that right lane. Thank God for the blood. 
thank God for the blood. We want to plead the blood of Jesus over our spirits, over our souls, over influence that come against the city of our soul and apply the blood every day of our life. Plead the blood. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood over my soul. Jesus' name. I mean, think about even what the world considers to be innocent television. And I'm not preaching against television. But did you know that a lot of the writers of those comedy shows, they've got wrong spirits. I don't want want what's on them to get on me. I don't want to hear God's name in vain. I don't want to hear about the homosexual agenda. I am tired of it. I want the blood. And so it's the blood that cleanses your soul. And get around people that, that use filthy language and try to tell you dirty jokes. Just do like John Osteen did. He was in an elevator one day. I don't know where it was. But in that elevator, they were using the Lord's name in vain. And he just lifted up his hand and started praising God. And hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. And they looked at amazement. He says, I demand equal time. Thank you, Lord. But you can control the atmosphere that you walk in for the most part. Amen? Take the blood. Plead the blood. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, it says, And from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and has washed us, and has washed us, and who will continually wash us. With his own blood. So my brothers and sisters. Having therefore these promises. My beloved. Let us cleanse ourselves. From all filthiness of the spirit. And of the flesh. Perfecting holiness. In the reverential fear of God. Amen. So do you see that? Do you see it clear tonight? With holiness. We'll be clear. With holiness. We'll hear and we'll walk in a high place in God. Amen? Amen. Glory to God.